When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast post-game after the Browns lose 15-10 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm Doug Maurice, along with Scott Pasco, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, and Ashley Bastock, making her podcast debut here on Cleveland.com. Welcome, Ashley. Let's dive into this one. You guys watched it. Mary Kay, how concerned should the people listening to this podcast right now be about the Cleveland Browns? They are 4-4. Four and four. They have a really big game at Cincinnati next week. Cincinnati lost to the Jets today, but they're still a very good team. Should people be worried? I think so. Yes, I think so. This was a very big game. Jarvis Landry called it almost a must-win game, and that term is so overused. But to be at home and to play the Pittsburgh Steelers at home uh, when this AFC North is all bunched up and a Steelers team that is not better than you. It's a Steelers team that you absolutely should beat. They still have nine games left. And these are not some easy games coming up. I mean, think about this. They still have to face the Steelers one more time. They've got to face the Baltimore Ravens twice, and they have to face the Cincinnati Bengals twice, right? And now they are in a situation where they have put themselves in sort of dire straits. Not only that, they've got other tough games. They have to go on the road and play at Green Bay. I mean, a lot of us on this podcast, picked them to only maybe lose four games or five games. Scott, you were the conservative one with six losses, right? Uh, So, yes, I think it it is time to be worried at four and four. Now, the Bengals did them a huge favor uh, by losing to the Jets today. Uh, So, I, you know, I mean, that really helped the Browns out a lot. I think this would hurt even more had they won that game. Uh, But this is going to be a dogfight all the way to the end. And if they end up not making the playoffs, I think they're going to look back to this game as possibly the one that kept them out. I don't think today was a must win, but I think losing today creates some must wins down the road. And you have to match losing to a bad team now by beating a good team, right? You've got to beat Baltimore at least once. You've got to beat Cincinnati at least once. You've got to either beat the Packers or the Patriots or somebody like that. Dan, does this feel like a team right now that you think can beat a good team? Man, that's a tough question. <laughs> so I, I, I was trying, I, I was trying to think to myself that when you asked that initial question, who should be more disappointed, Browns fans or Bengals fans, right? Because the Bengals fans lost to the Jets with a backup quarterback, and but still, the Bengals are like a year early at least. Like, like nobody expected the Bengals to be as good as they are. You know, Bengals fans should be upset that they lost that game, but. You know, they're, they're sort of playing with house money this year. The Browns losing this game is, I don't want to say devastating, but like nobody can, can look at that Steelers team and say, oh, that team is better than the Browns. I don't think that team is better than anybody else in the AFC North. And the Browns lose this game. So can the Browns beat a good team? I think they can. 
but they haven't shown us they can yet. And so at some point, sort of like when Baker Mayfield sits there and says we're a four and four team, you know, it's the old, you are what your record says you are. They're, they're a team that has, aside from today, beaten bad teams. And even though they've come close a couple of times, they haven't beaten a good team yet. I do think almost Bengals fans might be able to ease their sorrows by chalk on that off as a fluke because the Jets stink and their backup quarterback stinks and they never should have lost that game. But maybe they were looking ahead to the Browns, right? I think I think maybe it's more fluky. Scott, like, I don't know, was it was this fluky or was this just like, well, the Steelers aren't very good, but they were good enough to beat the Browns today? No, I do not think it's fluky. I think if you look at how this offense is kind of had spurts and starts and stops all season. Uh, I think this kind of falls in with everything else we've seen. It's just the inconsistency, the inability to, to have a game where everything flows really well. I mean, the Chargers game was great, uh, but it's just, it's been a rough go for this offense overall. And I think if you are a Browns fan, you should be concerned about that, but you should also be relieved that the Titans are the only team in the AFC with more than five wins right now. Uh, the Raiders and the Ravens are both on a bye this week, so they're stuck at five wins. So, yeah, it's bad that the Browns lost this game, but it isn't as bad as it could be. They're not in the NFC, and there's still plenty of time, but these are, this is a game where you need to get on track. You know, the Bengals is going to be a rough game. The Patriots are a game like that. The, the Lions are a game like that, and you know, we're, we're not going to believe it until we see it, I guess. I do think I don't think there's anything about the record or the standings or that should overly worry Browns fans. But the idea remains that, okay, you're still in it. But how good are you? Right. That's a little bit of this, that we're eight games into the season and they've had some high scoring games. They've had some low scoring games. They've won different ways. They've lost different ways. They've had a lot of injuries, and they had more injuries today. Jack Conklin goes out. John Johnson the third goes out. That's on top of Denzel Ward not playing, and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa not playing, and Kareem Hunt not playing. We know all these injuries, but as Baker Mayfield said, Ashley, and you've noted this, like the idea, you know, you also kind of are what your record is. I, I do – I think – obviously the injuries matter, and I do, I do think they'll get healthier, but also – it crept in at least a little bit for me today about like, how good are they? Like I thought they were X amount good and I'm not sure how good they are. Did that creep in at all for you? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I think it kind of did. Right. And you referenced what Baker Mayfield said. I know I referenced it in the, in the video we just did. And um, Dan referenced it at, well, it's like, at what point are they going to get one of these wins where they're really truly beating a team that's better than them and making the big play and, um, like, like they referenced today with Fryermuth from the, from the Steelers, like no one had that play on the Brown side today. And if they did, they probably win. So um, yeah, you know, at, at a certain level, the injury thing is definitely accurate, I think. And that's obviously played a part in, in their record. You can't ignore it, but um, at a certain point, you have to take that next step as a team. So, and they need to do it sooner rather than later at basically the midway point in the season now. I want to, I want to stay on this for a little bit. Go ahead, Dan, go ahead. I I just want to say, going going to to Scott's point um, about kind of where they're at and the fact that the Titans are the only team with six wins. When you lose this game, you're starting to lose some wiggle room now all of a sudden because you're four and four. I mean, there's only one gimme left on this schedule and that's Detroit, November 21st. They're going to win that game. Detroit got killed by the Eagles. They're going to beat the Lions. But I mean, even the Patriots who are kind of, 
meh, whatever. I mean, they're playing the Chargers tough as we're recording this, and, and that's a good team that's on the road. The Raiders are a good team. You know, you certainly can't chalk up the Steelers as a win anymore after what happened today. And I think that's sort of, as, as you kind of play out this schedule game a little bit, there just aren't many gimmies left. And, and that's, you're losing that wiggle room now that, that maybe you would have had if you could have just taken care of business in a game like this. But I do think it does, it's, in the end, I mean, your schedule's your schedule, but also you are who you are. And I think they're still good when they're healthy. But I'm less certain of that than I was previously, right? Like Mary Kay, like, are they good? <laughs> Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Are the Browns good? Like, I don't, like, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I mean, that, I guess that's the foundational principle of everything we do and say and write and text. They, they still are, right? Aren't they? Or I don't know, Mary Kay. Well, you know what? Here's one enormous thing that is jumping out at me after this football game. You need your big game players to come up big in these football games, right? I mean, you need a connection between a quarterback and a receiver. I mean, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are a major reason why they have been winning this season, right? If you look at this football game today, you're one of your biggest game, biggest name players on the football team. Odell Beckham Jr. One catch for six yards, one target in the game. Now he actually had another target that was wiped out by a penalty. And uh, you guys can tell me if you think he should have caught that ball or not. Uh, you know, I mean, we've seen oh, <laughs> Scott is shaking his head. No on that bad. Yeah. So you you think there's just a bad throw, right? I mean, it would have been tough. Yeah. It would have been one of those tough, miraculous, one-handed, crazy catches. Uh, so it wasn't a very good throw. Um, but nevertheless, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was completely a non-factor in this game to the point where I wrote in my in-game thoughts, he needs to ask to be traded. Like, I think it's gotten to the point where if you're not even going to throw him the football in a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers that you really need to win – then maybe it's time to just say that didn't work out and let's kind of move on. Right. But then Jarvis Landry. Now Jarvis, we know has been coming off of a sprained knee and he re-injured himself and he's working through some things, but still his hands aren't injured and he couldn't catch the ball today. And he fumbled and did things that we never see Jarvis Landry do. You can't win football games consistently. If you're not scoring the football, You've got to be scoring the football. And if they're, they're, those are their top two receivers, right? Those are their top two receivers. Now, Donovan Peoples-Jones did not play in this game. He's becoming something of a little bit of a go-to guy. But think about this. Baker Mayfield has six touchdown passes in seven games, right? You can't win football games like that. I'm not saying it's all his fault. In this game, as I mentioned before, I do believe that he didn't get the help that he needed. Uh, but I think that is the number one thing that I'm seeing right now is that you're, you don't have that amazing connection between Baker and one of his receivers so that you can be consistently being dangerous and scoring the football. So is that this has happened? I mean, this is this is how football happens, right? That sometimes a thing happens that contributes to a team losing a game. But you think to yourself, well, is that a long-term problem? Like, is that going to keep happening? Or was it just a bad day? Jarvis Landry fumbles a ball that's basically ripped out of his arms by Joe Schobert and then has two balls late in the game. 
that hit him in the hands, right? He, he, he wasn't completely stationary with his feet on the ground for either of them, but they are both catchable balls. But he's also Jarvis Landry, right? We, when the offense wasn't working earlier in the year, it was like, wait till Jarvis gets back. Like, he'll, he'll fix some of this stuff. Like, do we take anything into next week and beyond that? Because, fr- I mean, frankly, if Jarvis doesn't fumble and makes one of those two catches, they probably win. I mean, right. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, but I'm not like trying to put the game on him, but like he would admit that he was, he was very upset with himself. Is this something to be worried about for next week, Dan, or does just stuff, you know, stuff happens to good players sometimes. And you chalk this up as a bad day for a good guy and a bad day all around and go try to win next week. I mean, I think it's a stuff happens situation. I don't think Jarvis is going to drop two game deciding passes next week. I, I don't think that's why they'll end up losing to the Bengals. So I don't think there's a lot to take from this. I, I do think there is at times, uh, you know, we always talk about Baker and Odell not getting on the same page. I think sometimes there might be a little over-reliance from Baker on Jarvis Landry. I mean, he's clearly his favorite target. He's clearly the guy that he counts on. And when he doesn't make plays, it just stands out even more. Uh, but no, I mean, Jarvis is going to be fine. He's made a hundred catches that he probably shouldn't have made. Um, those two drops, I think are outliers. I, I did tell someone from the Browns what my postgame column was going to be. Yeah, stuff happens. Like, you know, I, I mean, like, you know, sometimes you do lose. It, it was such a weird game. I do think from a game like this, you're trying to figure out what is indicative of something and what is kind of a one-off. I do think Dan is right. The idea of, all right, is this is going to be a problem with Jarvis Landry catching passes. I don't think that's something that continues. I am curious about 16 for 61 for Nick Chubb. Because this was also one of those games sometimes where it's like, all right, well, he's going to break loose, right? And he did have a big run in the second half. But even I didn't think Nick Chubb got a very many yards on his own today. He took the holes that were there. And then he often kind of got tackled by the first guy, which is not usually how it goes for Nick Chubb. Scott, what did you think of Nick Chubb back today being relied upon, especially in a world where Kareem Hunt's still not still not healthy? Yeah, I do have a thought on that, but real quick on Landry, he's had between five and seven drops in each of the last six seasons. Today was the first time he's dropped anything this season. Um, I know okay. he's, he's had injuries, but uh, so maybe look forward to three or four more of those. I don't know. Uh, but as far as Chubb goes, it was surprising that he only came away with 16 carries because this wasn't a game where they had to move away from the, from the run game at all. Uh, it was close throughout. And I think the surprising thing is that nobody – stepped into the Kareem Hunt take time away from Chubb role. You know, I, th- I thought that Dernis Johnson maybe would get a chance at that. We saw him in the red zone, which made a lot of sense because Chubb isn't great in goal to go situations. Um, but uh, Dernis Johnson had four carries today and I thought it was going to be more. I didn't expect him to come out and, you know, pick up where he left off against the Broncos. This is a much better Steelers run defense, but uh, they just didn't have that second guy. And this kind of goes back to how they uh, worked with Chubb out last year when Kareem Hunt kind of got the reins middle of the season. They just didn't run the ball as much. And that's kind of what they did today. They just didn't run it as much as they normally do. Curious to see what Kevin Stefanski says about that after he reviews the film. Um, It was tough sledding. He only had 3.8 yards per carry today, Chubb did. But it was surprising that they didn't lean on him more that they just, you know, didn't have more success with him overall. They were, you know, I think, go ahead. Oh, Mary I was going to say him coming off of the, the calf injury. Uh, you know, I think you have to take that into account 
those are those are difficult injuries. And when you have a hot hand like you had last week with Dearness Johnson and you saw that he had incredibly good vision and, you know, you hear Alex Van Pelt rave about, how you know, his low pad level and and, you know, just different things that he can do. Uh, you know, I, I don't know why they would not have gone a little bit more to Dearness when you know uh, that these guys were really focused on stopping Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb doesn't usually have great games against the Steelers anyway, because they have good run defense and they do a good job of trying to stop him. So why not change it up a little bit more? Four wasn't enough for Dearness Johnson on a night when you could see that that Nick just wasn't able uh, to break one and he just might not have 100% been himself. I do want to jump in and say though, real quickly, we should be we should not be using Dearness Johnson and Kareem Hunt in the same sentence. Oh no, no, I'm going to say that you're going to sell the Dearness Johnson <laughs> script right now while you can still get a nickel for it. Not production wise, but as a somebody who can be on the field and let Nick Chubb go stand on the sideline and still have somewhat of a running game presence, I think he's he can definitely do that. But, 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 listen, but I, I, I think I think they're such different players. And if Nick Chubb can't run the ball against this defense, I don't think Dearness Johnson can run the ball against this defense. Well, that's what the coaches thought. Listen, I mean, like the coaches love the story. The coaches don't think he's good enough to play against the Steelers. He's yeah. their third string running back. Like it's not, uh, he had, he had a nice cutback on the touchdown, right? That there was that, like there was a lane, but he also took it. There were two Steelers kind of pursuing him outside of him. He cut back and scored an 11 yard touchdown. That was a nice run. His other carries were three for 11. Like I didn't, he, and he dropped two screens. So like, it was a nice story when they had no other options. And as soon as they had another option, they were like, Oh yeah, he's not going to play. So like, I just uh, like, like that. I mean, all we can go by is playing time. There's no other reason. As Mary said, I, I don't think we think Nick Chubb was necessarily hundred percent of himself. And they chose not to play Dearness Johnson very much. And when they did play him, he didn't do that much. So like, I well, think the story is over. I don't think the fact that, um, that he, I mean, you don't know that he couldn't make yards. He didn't get the opportunity to make, he really didn't get much of an opportunity uh, to, to carry the ball very often. And we've never thought of him as now the obvious part about Kareem Hunt is that he's great at catching the ball out of the backfield. You can't turn Dearness Johnson into that overnight. Uh, so getting him too involved in the screen game, that that's not where the value could have come, but occasionally here and there, uh, you might have been able to to get him a little bit rolling downhill on a run when it was obvious that maybe Nick just didn't quite have. But they didn't think Dernish that. Like Johnson. the coaches didn't think that. The coaches, well, you maybe might they were think wrong. that. They didn't think that. They didn't use them. They didn't think that. But I, what I'm saying is maybe they were wrong. I mean, you know, maybe they could have put the ball into Dearness Johnson's hands a few more times. Smush them together with Felton and you have we... something. Ashley, welcome to the podcast where we argue about Dearness Johnson. I'm just taking it all in right now, you guys. This is great. I just, I think it was a nice story. I, I just don't think he's, a, you know, we just, I think we saw this. I think this is what it's going to be going forward unless they're, they don't have anybody else to give it to. They even did put Felton in the backfield a couple times early in the game and try to do a little something with him. So, but like, now, Ashley, what did you think of Nick Chubb, right? I mean, he's Nick Chubb. Yeah. He's Nick yeah. stinking Chubb. And he averaged 3.8 yards per carry. And to Mary, uh, to Mary Kay's point, you know, he's not had great games against the Steelers before. I think Mary Kay, you said on the podcast coming in that he had like one 100 yard game in his life against Pittsburgh, right? So, Ashley, what do you take away from Nick Chubb's day? 
Um, well, my first thought and was basically what Mary Kay said that, you know, with this calf injury, that's a tough injury, especially when you're a running back. It's a tough injury when you're not a running back. So um, I don't know that I am all that surprised. You know, if you told me he wasn't 100 percent, I wouldn't be shocked. Right. Um, but, you know, kind of like what we were talking about in game. Uh, I think especially where they really missed Kareem Hunt today was in those fourth and one situations that, you know, I, I think we all kind of said we're a lot more confident that they maybe get that one and they go for the other one if Kareem Hunt is playing. Um, and with Nick Chubb not 100%, that's that's a tough ask, I think. I thought they were – did you guys think they were scared off of – they ended up punting after the fourth and one at midfield because they had gone, Dan, on a fourth and one earlier and didn't make it when they handed it to Chubb and he, there was kind of, wasn't much there and he tried to bounce it outside. It, it felt like I thought that scared Stefanski off a little bit from trying it again. I, I was a little surprised that they didn't go on that one. Um, but I, I think they were just banking on the fact that the Steelers wouldn't be able to move the football. And that, that's obviously not what happened. Uh, but, but I was, I was surprised that they just came up to the line and tried to tried to get the Steelers to jump. It was very out of character. I thought for Kevin Stefanski, and I do, there's a part of me, and I'll throw this out there and maybe I'm wrong, but I still feel like this team plays differently in second halves than they do in first. And today was a little different than games where they've had big leads. But, but that was an example. I feel like if we're early in the game, oh, yeah, he's going for it. Let's go. And, and I mean, he did earlier in the game. So I, I didn't like that decision. I think you got to go for it there. And I understand you got stopped earlier in the game. But, you know, come up with something. You've got – plenty of guys who can touch the football in that situation and get you for, I mean, give Jarvis Landry a carry or, or something. I mean, there's some way to get that first down in that situation and, and keep the football. I didn't like it. Scott, should Dave gone? Oh yeah, I think so. <laughs> and he said, you know, sometimes we go for it. Sometimes we don't, but when it's fourth and one, they go for it. They've had that seven times this year. They've gone for it five times. One they didn't was a field goal right at the end of the half against the chargers. Uh, another time uh, they had lined up to go for it. But then James Hudson had the false start, turned it into fourth and six, and they punted. Uh, and so out of the five times they actually went for it, they made it four times. One was a sack. So they've had a good conversion rate on fourth and one, not overall on fourth down this season. Overall, they've been pretty bad. So I was surprised that they didn't go for it. It seemed like it was the perfect time and place. Uh, the Steelers had just scored to draw within one and even though Kevin Svansky said that, you know, the defense had been playing well and that kind of kind of insinuated that, that factored into his position, but the Steelers had just scored. And I don't know. I mean, you can have arguments on both sides. Like Dan said, they didn't have a kicker anymore. And, you know, there's that, but I think it's midfield it's fourth and one. I think you go for it. I also think you pass on that down, but. I, I think Kevin, Kevin Stefanski knows all the numbers, right? We have no doubt about that. I think Kevin Stefanski knows analytically you're supposed to go there. I think the reason he didn't go there is because he thought they wouldn't make it. I didn't yeah. think he thought he had the dudes to make it. And he didn't think, oh, well, this play is definitely going to work. And I don't know if we should run or pass. And I don't think – I thought that was a moment of kind of – I don't want to say not believing in your guys because it's not a lack of confidence maybe – in the just but just like with who we have right now and how this has gone so far i don't think we're gonna make it so i know we should go for it but we're gonna punt and i thought that told you a little something about where this offense is right now all right we got to do baker mayfield we got to do the defense we'll do both of those things next on the orange and brown talk podcast
Doug Scott, Dan, Mary Kay, and Ashley. Baker Mayfield, he's not here. 20 of 31 for 225. No touchdowns, no picks. Mary Kay, what did you think of Baker Mayfield? This was all, right? This was, this was more than a week of this. Is he going to play? How's he going to look? How's the harness going to work? Is his shoulder, you're, you're one of your things pregame, you know, on the pregame podcast was, is his shoulder going to stay in the socket all game? How did you think Baker Mayfield looked, Mary Kay? Well, I would say that in the first half, I didn't really think he looked that good. I thought that uh, some of his throws were off. I thought some of his throws sailed on him a little bit. And when that starts happening to him, uh, you have to worry about his accuracy because it just seems like, oh, he's having one of those days where it's not going exactly where he wants it to go. And I thought he he sailed one to, to Landry uh, deep in the on, on the first drive. And then um, then, of course, he had the uh, then. Hooper dropped that one, an easy pass there. That didn't happen, you know, that didn't help matters. Uh, but I, I didn't think he was his best self in the first half. And it, it did look to me like it would, might be a little bit of a long day. But then I thought he really got it together in the second half and he was ready to roll. And he, he was more aggressive and putting the ball, Kevin Stefanski was calling the game differently. They were throwing the ball downfield a little bit more, opening things up a bit more. They might have been too conservative uh, early on. But uh, when he pulled himself together, that's when his supporting cast failed him, really failed him with the penalties and with the drops and, um, and with everything else. So I actually think he was a gamer. I really loved what I saw leading my column with this on that, you know, converting the third down with the run and just popping up and showing, no, you're not getting to me. I, I'm going to fire up this crowd. And we're going to take this damn game back. And the way that he pumped his fists. And I mean, that that's just the baker everybody knows and loves. Right. Um, but he just I, I just thought when he came through in the second half, I think he could have pulled out that game. I really think he could have done it if he had help. Ashley, did you think to yourself as you were watching that game? Oh, yeah. Look, there's a quarterback wearing a shoulder harness on his left shoulder. Or did he look pretty much normal to you? Um, I mean, I definitely kind of agree with what Mary Kay was saying in terms of some of these throws that he was sailing early, um, you know, can't really ignore those. And he even referenced them, I think, a little bit himself in his postgame presser where he's talking about Jarvis Landry and some of those drops and the fumble and saying it doesn't all fall on Jarvis, that there were some throws that he could have made, some other big plays they could have made. Um, and, and in terms of like the big play quote unquote that we've been talking about this game. I mean, I, I think the best candidate is that run he had in the first quarter that scramble that got them the first down. And then obviously Jarvis fumbles a little two plays later. Uh, I think it was, but you know, kind of along the same lines again of what Mary Kay was saying, like he did go out there and battle, even though he wasn't perfect. Um, I think he actually looked better than I thought he would, especially considering a few days ago, we were all sitting around wondering if he was going to be able to play with the shoulder issues. So um, yeah, those are kind of my overarching thoughts. The one thing I was curious about coming into this game was, would we see Kevin Stefanski call a significantly different game in trying to protect Baker Mayfield at all. Uh, Dan and Scott, did you think that felt like a different kind of Browns offense? I, I don't know that they ran as many boots as play action boots as they normally would. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know that there was a drastic difference though. What did you guys think? 
Yeah, I don't but, know what, what you thought about the, the play calling. I don't know that I saw a ton drastically different. I do think Baker protected himself mm-hmm. a few times today, though, that I noticed. And I think there were times when he maybe would have scrambled or maybe gotten out of the pocket. And he kind of just took that Eli Manning sack, as I like to call it, where you just kind of fall down and somebody touches you and you're just trying to protect yourself. Um, I, I thought there were a few of those today, but I, I don't know that I was sitting there watching and thinking they're really calling this game differently. But Scott, maybe you saw it. Maybe you saw it differently. I, I was I wasn't tracking play action every time, but I know it was only, it was only a handful, and it was a big drop from what they did with Case Keenum last week. Uh, so that in that respect, it was a little different. But as far as where he was throwing and the types of plays, I mean. That wasn't much different. Uh, he's, you know, struggled downfield a lot this season, and that continued when he had to go downfield. But, you know, he made a nice pass to, to Higgins, I think, on the first drive. Uh, he made some of those, you know, 20-yard, at least a couple of those 20, you know, 18 to 20-yard uh, completions that he needed to make. But I, I think this was more about the people around him, like Mary Kay has said, than really what Baker Mayfield did or didn't do today because they won plenty of games uh, where he played kind of like this last season. You know, when he's in that 28 to 30 uh, attempt range and he's got like, you know, 220 yards, 220 yards, but he just didn't have a touchdown today. Um, so his passer rating was kind of not good, uh, but they, they can win with him playing roughly like this. It's just, there were just, like you said, nobody else, no one else stepped up to make the play. He did definitely take some of those intermediate shots, right? I think the one that the Jarvis dropped would have been maybe like a 30, like 35 yard completion or so, you know, the Odell one over the middle, that was definitely high. I mean, like I went back and I was freeze framing that thing and Odell's going up. He's, he's pretty high off the ground and he also has a safety ready to split him in half potentially if he catches it. So, I mean, that's definitely like not a drop. Like it would have been a spectacular catch. And maybe there are a couple guys in the league who would have made it, but I don't, that's not on Odell. And I do think Baker was like trying to get over the, getting the ball over the defender in front there that it wasn't, I don't know that it was a terrible throw by Baker. It was maybe, I think they just took the shot that they, they could take there, but let me ask this. And I, cause I almost asked Baker Mayfield this, they were definitely like in we're a professional football team. We're upset. We lost mode. So I haven't been around very much. I haven't, been at a game and so i didn't want to ask like my one of my doug questions to be like hey, and then have them tell me to <laughs> shut up so i think given what we thought was possibly happening with baker mayfield the quarterback of the cleveland browns the fact that he got through this game and looked pretty normal is actually a fairly gigantic success in and of itself because I don't know that anybody thought that was a sure thing coming into this. Five days ago, I don't know that people were sure he was going to play. So for him to go 20 of 31, look basically like he usually looks, he didn't come in and talk about his shoulder popping out four times or anything. I almost was going to say, Baker, is it kind of a successful day that you were able to get through the game feeling pretty good physically because that seems to me mary Kay, potentially kind of a big deal for the rest of the year because if this guy would have come in gotten hit in the first quarter had his shoulder pop out had to leave the game for two series we'd all that's all we'd be talking about is his season done that kind of thing and that's not at all where we are all they lost was a football game they didn't lose their quarterback that's a big deal right it is a big deal. It is a big deal. But I also have to wonder 
Uh, he is so incredibly tough. And he did like pop up so fast on that one where he got uh, sent out of bounds there and, and rolled over and, and fell on his shoulder. I mean, you almost have to wonder uh, if we know yeah. if he had a re-dislocation. You know what I mean? Uh, we, we might not know from week to week if he's re-dislocating that shoulder now. Now, I think it's going to be your lip is buttoned. Unless you have to miss a game, we're not going to be talking too much about what's going on with the shoulder unless we can see it hanging by your side limp and you can't move it and you have to run into the tunnel and put it back in. Uh, so, yes, I do think it is a, a victory that he got through the entire game. That probably bodes well for the future. He's very tough. Um, but I, I think it's just going to be a week by week thing, really. I did. Th- he did talk about he definitely I think, Scott, you said this was sort of trying to fall on it correctly. Right. He definitely turtled a couple times. But even when he took that shot on the sideline, he got hit on his left shoulder. But when he fell to the ground, he landed on his right shoulder. Right. And like that was you'd much rather get hit on your left, land on your right, than get hit on your right and land on your left when you're trying to protect your left shoulder. And it felt like he was sort of very cognizant with his body control of like, I don't want to fall on this the wrong way. But yet he still was able to play a pretty normal quarterback. So I, you know, I guess maybe I'm looking for a silver lining here, Dan, but like that's compared to where we could have been. Right. We all thought it was possible. All right. He's going to come back and play. We don't know how this is going to go where we could be right now. We could be talking about, well, can they make the playoffs with Case Keenum playing the, the rest of the season? And we're not there at all. Yeah. I mean, look, two weeks ago, he showed up to his postgame presser in a sling. And, and that was honestly one of the first things I looked for today. Is, is he in a sling today? No, he's not. So that's certainly a, a step forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's good that he was able to finish his game. They didn't have to go to Case Keenum. I don't think this game plays out really all that differently if Case Keenum plays. So at least, you know, maybe we, if the first half had continued, if he had played that way the whole game, we'd be saying differently. But I think in the second half, he did play better, which is also a good sign. But yeah, I mean, that's sort of, that, that's, that's one of the things we're looking for. By the way, speaking of post-game attire, poor Miles Garrett, after that loss, mm-hmm. to show up wearing part of his Halloween costume. Did not bring a change of clothes. That's the number one lesson from this game is if you're going to wear a Halloween costume to a game and you are a player, make sure you have normal street clothes to leave the stadium in just in case, just in case you don't have to show up in a cape. By the way, uh, speaking of getting back to Baker's biggest failure, his biggest failure was not showing up to this game just as flow from progressive. I thought that was like a slam dunk sure thing. Like that's the one thing I was expecting to happen. Didn't happen. All he had, I mean, he had pulled some stringers, right? He can get like a white cape with progressive on it, get a wig, boom, you're done. And can, but then can you imagine if Baker had come to the losing post-game news conference in his that's, that's the one progressive drawback. outfit? Yeah. Uh, Baker, we, we like your apron. Uh, tough loss to the Steelers, yeah. though, wasn't it? Baker? I can't really see him actually even showing up for the Steelers game in an apron. So <laughs> yeah. not really sure that would have been a very good look. And credit awesome. to Nick Chubb. Credit to Nick Chubb for dressing up as Nick Chubb in a hoodie. <laughs> yep. All right. So that I think needed to be noted. Did take four sacks. It wasn't like they didn't, you know, they, they did get to him at times and he made it through the game and was able to finish the game looking mostly like himself, which is something I think the Browns can uh, take some solace in after this loss. All right. Quick break. We'll be back a little bit on the defense next on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you guys are reading our 
Browns insider stories, getting the texts, doing everything that it, that involves being a Browns insider. If you're not fully invested in all this stuff, I mean, there's just so much interesting stuff going on with this team. You go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner, get signed up. You get the text, you get the extra um, little newsletter thing every day. You get access to all the stories. It's a great value. We know a bunch of you have it. And if you haven't tried it, it's a great time to try it right now. Giving up 15 points, Ashley, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Should that have been good enough? Like, did this defense without JOK, without Denzel Ward, with John Johnson III leaving in the middle of the game, did this defense do its job on Sunday, do you think? I think so. And, you know, some of the players, you know, mentioned that I think Miles Garrett was the one who said, well, clearly not because they held us to 10 points. So, like, it wasn't good enough. But it should be good enough. <laughs> like, if you are going to be the caliber of NFL team that you want to be, you should be able to score more than 15 points. You just should. So um, I do think it doesn't all fall on the defense by any means, but that really should have been, I think, good enough. We talked a lot about the run defense coming into this game. Najee Harris, 26 carries, 91 yards, 3.5 yard average. Dan, they weren't running the ball great coming in, right? Like, did you, did you think Bottling up Najee Harris overall, 32 carries for 115, 3.6 yard average for the Steelers overall. What do you think of the run D? You know, I'm really torn with this defensive performance because statistically it looks really good. They gave up 15 points. You mentioned the the yards per carry for Najee, three and a half. Uh, But there's just, it, it felt like there were times when guys were open that maybe shouldn't have been open. And then they give up that 50 yard catch and run on second and eight in the fourth quarter. And there, there were just moments where it was like, what exactly is happening? You know, Greg Newsome keeps running, at, you know, on a play early in the game and Deontay Johnson just turns around and is wide open. So yes, I think the defense was good today, but there were, I just still see concerning things that a better offense is going to be able to continue to take advantage of. I, I mean, if you've watched the Steelers this year, basically every pass that Ben Roethlisberger throws is contested. And, and there were guys that were open in a number of spots to that shouldn't have been open. So I'm a little torn on this performance because it was 15 points. It took an amazing catch on fourth down to get to 15 points. They didn't have a kicker. But at the same time, I, I didn't come away feeling like this defense was dominant. So I, I don't know. I guess I'm torn. There was definitely a third down early that they gave up a really easy throw outside. I think it might have been greedy. It was like, man, that was soft coverage on third down. Like, what are they doing there? But yet the Steelers, Scott, were only 4-13 on third Mm -hmm. down. It wasn't like the Steelers marched up and down converting all these huge third downs. They were 2-4 of on fourth down. I don't know. It, it, It felt, I think Dan is right, it felt watching it like it wasn't dominant. But like almost all the stats are pretty dominant. Ben threw for 266, but like 50 yards of that was this, the RPO slant at the end of the game, which was a big play, but if it had been a 10-yard play, it would have done the same thing. I, I don't know, Scott. Like statistically, I think they really did do their job. It, it wasn't dominant because you're supposed to do that to the Steelers' offense. They're not very good. And they, I mean, 4-13 on third down, but every one that they converted just seemed like a dagger. Like the one you mentioned there with Greedy was kind of off and – and they were always, you know, third and five or third and six. And they, the defense had a chance to really keep the momentum after the Browns scored uh, in the third. And then Steelers drive right down the field and, and answer. That was, that was a huge drive. Um, as far as Najee Harris goes, he had 
he was averaging five yards a carry by halftime. And I'm pretty sure it was at least that after the third quarter, his average went way down over their last two drives when he kept running into the line and getting like one to two yards. Um, overall though, they, they ran much better than I thought they would considering they were averaging like 81 yards per game. So yeah, it was, I mean, you look at the final numbers and I don't think it really paints the correct picture on how the defense played because much like the offense, there was just, just a handful of things that happened at the wrong time that doomed them and everything that went right just seemed like it went right at at exactly the wrong time for the Browns. And it's hard. We've ended up talking about injuries a lot this season because they've had a lot of injuries and we've gone through everything that happened on offense, but Mary Kay on a day where JOK is still on IR Denzel Ward can't go. John Johnson, the third leaves in the middle of the game, whatever they didn't do defensively. I am like, apt i'm like a little bit of me is like well you know they had all their guys i mean i think jok makes a huge difference in a game like this and greedy is out there because giving up soft coverage on third down because denzel ward's not on the field right i i do they really were missing like three key dudes by the second half of this game defensively mary Kay. well you know let me just say that, you know, Denzel Ward being out. Yeah, that's going to hurt you. But I think Greedy has played really well. And I thought he played well in this game. So I don't think that is a catastrophic loss right now, because for whatever reason, Denzel is not playing his best ball uh, this season. I think a lot of it has had to do with injuries and whatnot. But the thing that I that I will say about this defense, they did do their job. But what they didn't do and that they need to do more of, they have to take the ball away. OK, I mean, when you're a, a good dominant defense you have to come up with the big game changing play when it's needed that's what you have to do now greg newsom came up with a really nice play on third down and and made that stop uh and so that was a nice play Mm -hmm. but there weren't enough i mean they added so many talented defenders uh to this unit that you're supposed to have somebody that comes up and punches the ball out, gets an interception, gets the fumble, and wins the game for you on a day when your offense cannot score the football, okay? So even though they did mostly what they were supposed to do, they didn't do what they really needed to do, and that was take the ball away from from a Steelers team that I think, for the most part, and Scott, you know this better than I do right now, uh, they've been turning the ball over some, right? I mean, Ben's been throwing some interceptions. I mean, they they have been prone to the turnover. Uh, so, you know, where are these takeaways for the defense? Where, where are they? I mean, this is this defense needs to start doing that a whole lot more to get this thing back on track. And they, they didn't do that today. So I've got to give them, you know, maybe a C plus. Because when you needed them to come through, even even Miles, I mean, when you have Miles Garrett, who is wants to be the NFL Defensive Player of the Year, do you know what the NFL Defensive Player of the Year does in a game like this? He makes the play of the game. And we saw him do that plenty last year, right? Especially in the early going of the season. Aaron Donald, when you need him in a game like this to make that kick-ass play, you're going to get it. And they didn't get it. And he had to walk out with a grim reaper cape on without making the play a little twist of the knife too that the guy who does make the huge turnover forcing play in this game is joe schobert (laughs) oh man like of all that all right we'll finish with this i want to do this on a scale of one to ten i'm going to call it the bonkers scale one is 
that was a completely normal thing to do. 10 is it was one of the craziest things you've ever seen. Mike Tomlin calling that fake field goal and having them snack, snap it to Chris Boswell in a 3-3 game where points are gold. Ashley, one is normal. 10 is among the craziest things you've ever seen. Where are you on the bonkers scale with that call by Mike Tomlin? Oh, man. I, I'm just going to have to go probably like a nine and a half, right? Like, I mean, that was like... I still don't understand that. And then to make matters worse, he got hurt and didn't come back into the game. Like that makes it so much worse. Like it was probably already at about like an eight, maybe. Right. But man, the fact that he got hurt on top of it, 9.5 easily. I might be being generous too. I'm curious if anyone else has just a pure 10 out of 10. Cause it basically cost, it cost them five points because they, they didn't kick the field goal. They could have kicked. And then they, they didn't get two extra points because they had to try to go for two and they failed both times, which while they had 15 instead of 17, Mary Kay, where were you on the bonker scale? Well, Jordan Elliott gets so much credit for this, right? I mean, he, he blew up that play. If, if not for that, uh, if not for Jordan Elliott crashing in there and, uh, and poor Chris hearing those footsteps and freaking out, um, you know, we could have been talking about what a brilliant play this was and how aggressive Mike Tomlin was. Uh, so I'm just going to go with an eight on that uh, because had it worked, uh, I like coaches that are aggressive. I like going for it. I like trying different things. Um, so I didn't I wouldn't have had a, a huge issue with it. It turned out to be an absolute disaster. Uh, but I, I, I don't absolutely hate the thinking behind it it's not like getting jamie gillen in space though this is not a world-class athlete that we are talking about Chris Boswell. And we've, like, we don't, well, we've we've seen jamie gillen in space it's not pretty yeah but and he got a concussion so like that part is not funny but watching him try to make a play was kind of funny scott where where are you on the bonker scale can can i can i go to 11 <laughs> oh turn it up 11? Scott. because and not not that i this has nothing to do with whether or not they should have done it, but it's the fact that they did it. Uh, the Steelers almost never go for it on fourth down to begin with. They were 0 five this season. So that's not a team that has taken a lot of risks in that type of situation. Uh, and, and Doug can, uh, can back me up on this. I spent some time after that play really looking to figure out like, was he a high school quarterback? Was he like, is there some background here that, that, that just nobody knows about. So I'm looking at like his bio at rice and like trying to find something, no, nothing, nothing. He's been a kicker all his life. So, you know, you, you put the ball in your hands of your kicker and you're hoping to find magic and nothing happened. So yeah, I'm going with 11. We were debating whether has Chris Boswell actually ever thrown a ball in his life in any setting before. Yeah. Dan, he played we'll baseball. Fi- we'll finish with you, Dan. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, I was going to say like 97 or something. It was insane. <laughs> Although I, I, I do want to say this. Where was Brown's officiating Twitter on this play? If Chase McLaughlin had taken that hit, if, oh, yeah. if Cam Hayward had led with his helmet and hit Chase McLaughlin's helmet, oh, Brown's officiating Twitter would have been up in arms. Was there helmet to helmet in there? I don't think there was. It looked like it. It was awfully close. It, it earned enough for, uh, for the official to get a pool report. That's true. That's true. That's all. That's all I want to say. 
Brown's officiating Twitter. Where were you? Come on. And it, both ways. But in the end, it forced Mike Tomlin to be aggressive. <laughs> Field goals were off the board. They knew they were going for every touchdown possible. I mean, it is, it's a heck of a way to be aggressive is to like lose your kicker for the rest of the game. All right. Browns lose 15 to 10, drop the four and four at Cincinnati next week. A ton of coverage this week at cleveland.com and on the orange and brown talk podcast hey mary Kay, coming early next week make sure you catch that with dan and mary Kay for scott patsko dan lobby ashley bastock and mary Kay cabot i'm doug Lamarice. thanks to you guys for listening to the orange and brown talk podcast